Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of Jeremy Takes On HIT. And uh, this is going to be kind of a, a special episode for me from the standpoint is this is going to be all about the new uh, ONC rule about uh, data blocking, what it's been called. I, I know the ONC has a fancy dancy rule name for it. I just don't, uh, I don't know exactly what it is. But the reason for this episode is to cover the response from the Electronic Health Record Association, better known as the EHR Lobby Group. And so we're going to go over what they had to say. I'm going to tell you what I have to say. I'm going to try to keep it as low-key as possible. But uh, I really can't promise anything. I've, I've been in interoperability for uh, almost as long as I've been in the healthcare IT business right around 11 years at this point and so uh, I've worked for multiple EHRs I've also worked for uh, interoperability companies trying to uh, stand up HIEs and so I've really seen the practices of these EHR companies that are crying foul over this new rule and so we'll get into that and also talk about you know what what I what my expectations are from the government, what I would like to see, and uh, you know we'll just kind of see how the uh, argument from the EHRA stands up. So hang with me. All right. So if you don't remember what this data blocking rule is, basically what you have is the ONC, which is stands for the Office of National Coordinator. It is basically the uh, the HIT arm of CMS. These folks manage meaningful use and uh, a lot of the criteria that it takes to equal meaningful use and what is how does a EHR qualify. Uh, they have to be certified in order for a hospital or a practice to use that EHR to then qualify for the meaningful use under the High Tech Act. So if a lot of that's new, um, go do some Google searches out there. Um, it's not ne totally necessary uh, to understand what they're talking about. But anyway, so there's this government entity that is going to that's talking about creating a rule about data blocking, and you know why is that important? Well, there's lots of studies out there. There's lots of uh, think pieces and conferences that talk about how the health record of people out there is disjointed. It's in a lot of different uh, repositories here and there and that it's actually hurting the quality of health for people in America to have all of this data in these disparate locations. And the reason, number one reason why this data is in the state that it is and you cannot have a unified health record is because of a lack of interoperability. Now, if you've listened to these episodes or if you follow me on Twitter, um, it's I, I have said before uh, in lots of different instances that the lack of interoperability, meaning the lack of these hospitals not being able to talk to each other or not being able to get the data uh, for your health record from each other across all of your different uh, visits and episodes of care, it's not a tech problem. This is not something that we don't have enough data standards, we don't have enough technology, 
with interoperability solutions. We don't have enough software. Uh, it's not any of that. We could, if there were no, uh, if there was a mandate that regardless of cost and regardless of contractual business agreement and regardless of uh, any sort of business uh, rule, either by the EHR or by these healthcare organizations, that we were going to have an ability to put your data all together, we totally could do that. In fact, because all of this data is, or not all, but 90-something percent of the data is now on uh, an EHR, it's possible to aggregate it and normalize it together and really give you a very, very uh, longitudinal view of your health um, pretty much, I would say, since 2011, 2012. So the last seven years worth of your health data, uh, everybody in America should be able to see. And... You know, and that even goes beyond what Apple's trying to do. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are possible that are not um, that are not reality. And so, what the ONC is is doing is creating a rule that is going to bring down the barriers. Because what I've said, what other people have said for years and years now, is that it the the reason why we don't have the interoperability that we have is two reasons. One, cost. The cost of uh, traditional HL7 version 2.x uh, interfaces or uh, even uh, CCDA interfaces is totally detached from the cost it takes the, the company, the EHR company, to create and maintain uh, that code that produces those interfaces. So it's a very much a microcosm of the, the cost problem within healthcare today. Uh, I worked for an EHR company that I'm not going to name, but it was widely agreed upon within that company that 20% uh, of their revenue was generated uh, from their interface. Uh, so you're thinking about a company, whatever dollar figure you want to put, it, let's just, you know, um, let's think of Epic, and they probably generate what I don't know what we would say. Let's say two billion dollars of revenue every year, and twenty percent is probably a default number because really the way that EHR companies do is they charge you. And let's just, I'll just throw a number out there, although it's a number I've heard lots of times for a standard demographic HL7v2 interface outbound. Uh, to another uh, organization uh, that you're talking about $5,000. And you know what? You could probably, as a health care organization, understand that or justify that $5,000 if that was all it cost. But it's not. It's not $5,000 one time. It's $5,000 and then it's 20%. So 20% of $5,000 is, uh, you know, not an uh, finite amount is not a small amount of money because what we're talking about is it's 20% of $5,000 times every year that you do it times every interface that you have 
So, you know, if every all if every single one of them is five thousand dollars and you have five interfaces, that's five thousand dollars worth of support fees that you have to pay every year. Now that's not including licensing that you have to pay for your interface engine if you have one of those. So uh, you get to the point where it's cost prohibitive, but it's cost prohibitive because it's a cost that you never are done paying with. And, and again, it would be different if this HL7 a demographic interface version 2 was constantly changing. If you got updates on this thing all the time, if this was a drug-drug reaction, uh, patient safety uh, alerting that was all, always up to date, always meeting new ch new changes to the market, new changes to whatever, you know, I could totally get that too. But guess what? That demographic, HL7 version 2, outbound interface was developed in the 80s or the 90s. Let's say the 90s. So it's only 30 years old. And every customer that has a EHR, whether it's Epic, you know, as much as they love to be a single vendor, or Cerner, or Allscripts, or Meditech, every single hospital in America has at least one interface. You know that you're going to sell an interface when you sell an EHR. So there you go. That's why facilities, can, or not all facilities, can afford to create interfaces to every single. Or I would not. I wanted to say there's haves and haves nots, but I really take that back. I don't know that there is a facility in America, and you think about the really highly uh, interconnected ones. Talk about your Dukes. Talk about your uh, University of uh, Pittsburgh Medical Center. Talk about, you know, UC Health. You know, these places that have even become these VCs. Um, they don't have interfaces to every organization that wants their data or that they don't have to send their data to. Because, you know, you're talking about every little doctor office that sends patients to them every facility that might have patients in common across the country you know there's thousands of interfaces that you might not thousands but there's hundreds of interfaces that you might use or that you might use aggregators or or uh, HIEs or regional health uh, HIEs and so nobody can afford all the interfaces that it, that you would want because it's cost prohibitive and here's the other side of this. The EHR company doesn't have that much into it. One of the big complaints that the EHRA had is that this rule would be a barrier to innovation. No, what it, what it is a barrier to, to is not innovation, it's to profit. They don't want this gravy train to stop. APIs and opening up their APIs and making it easy for other third-party companies to come in and use those API hooks, which basically means little little entryways and doors into the data of these EHRs where another company can come in and build and create and get data. Uh, what that's going to do is actually eliminate 
a barrier to innovation because the number one reason why uh, you have these single vendors out there is because the interfaces were so convoluted and so expensive that it was actually cheaper to pay more to Epic. And so they could reach into the data silo and over the, the moat that they built around that database and build all the modules that you want. I mean, just imagine, we're talking about physician burnout, we're talking about really, you've got nurse burnout, you've got burnout across the healthcare spectrum because you're asking people to do so much and they have to use a single piece of software that is supposed to satisfy all workflows and all clinical needs for every type of individual, every type of, of person inside a healthcare facility. And it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. There's a lot of benefits to EHRs. I've talked about those benefits, but there's a lot of problems. And so what you could have with these APIs is developers come in and build front ends that match the clinical workflow that allow for customization that allow for freedom that allow for uh, meeting a need while maintaining a consistent uh, legal medical record which is really all the EHR is is doing I mean that the, there's two goals that to an EHR and I've said it before the EHR is the legal medical record and it's the main billing mechanism after that, I mean, when you really get down to it, heart of hearts, it's all gravy. You know, whatever you get out of your EHR, you just need to be happy about because you've met your legal threshold and you're keeping the lights on. And that's it. So there's this idea that because you can't charge people into oblivion that now you're not going to have companies want to come in and uh, and create uh, this in these innovative products because the of the interface it the not the product not the product the interface because the interface is restricted to charging for the cost of, of what it took for you to create it and that's beyond all this creative accounting because I'm telling you these companies these EHRs are going to claim that it took armies of product management people armies of support people armies of developers I mean you're talking about they're gonna claim that they have development shops for their interfaces that are 50 people that's that's gonna be the claim I know it now I do have the ability to predict the future on that while in reality, they have developers in groups of three working on interfaces. They have product managers of one. Some of the loneliest people in a company are the people that work on interfaces. They like, you know, go work in the corner of a basement with that light bulb that flickers and, you know, have their uh, monthly break room employee birthday cake shoved under a cubicle wall because they're not allowed to come out uh, into the light. Uh, so let's not pretend that this is a uh, high-speed, low-drag, um, you know, jock end of these organizations. 
that are that are you know devoted to supporting and creating interfaces. And oh, by the way, let's just kind of be really um, really clear too. The last time that a HL7 version two interface got developed, and and I'm going to carve out around meaningful use because that was pay for performance. I mean. It was so I got started in 2008 and I've not heard of anything new come out of HL7v2. Now there's been some tweaks here and there, some modifications, but I'm talking a brand damn new interface. No. Haven't heard of it since 2008. So how long does it go in? I'd probably say at least another 5 years before I got started. So, again, for 20 plus 30 plus years these companies have been recovering, have been making money off this, you know, and now they want to say, oh, you're going to stifle innovation. No, you're going to stifle some uh, executive bonus programs. That might be some stifling. You know, you might stifle some sales guy trips to the Caribbean islands. That might get stifled. I mean, you want to see a, a sales guy get happy? Start talking about all the interface add-ons that they sell on these deals that they make. That's that you know, that gets into like I say, you're plusing a deal twenty percent, twenty five percent, on top of the profit that you get from selling the license of the EHR. I mean, this is like you go into a car dealership and you buy the car and you like, well, you have to buy the extended warranty. Or the car won't crank. And, you know, it's just it's just how it goes. And, the way, and the, these executives don't understand and don't appreciate and really didn't, never really tried to learn what the impact of interoperability and why, how much it should cost and what how long that how old that code is. And the reason that they didn't want to learn it is because their solution was to just go buy Epic. That doesn't have any interfaces, allegedly, until you do. So I'm getting I'm getting over there into the fired up side and I'm I'm trying trying to try to keep it low key. Uh, you know, there's a talk about uh, continuous uh, ambiguous language rather. Complaints about that, I mean, welcome to the government. I mean, when you create an environment where the government feels like it's going to have to step in, that's what you're going to get is ambiguity. Lawyers are going to get theirs. You know, there's, there's no way around that. I mean, if you didn't want ambiguity around legal definitions of things, then, you know, should have fixed this problem before now. And, you know, the other complaint that they have, or not a complaint, this is now their suggestions of, oh, don't do this. Here's what we need to do if you're going to do this. We need to have a new data standard. We need a new data standard like, you know, I can't even imagine. I, I, that's, how, that's how, like, preposterous this is. I cannot come up with an analogy. I'm speechless as far as how much we don't need another data standard. I had a conversation the other day that was happening on Slack at at my uh, at my real job we were talking about how you know we have ICD 10 codes almost fixing again to get to point where I have ICD 11 got DRG codes you've got 
SNOMED codes, you've got LOINC codes. These are data standards within formats of data, uh, of data as it is. I mean, so you've got HL7, you've got CCDA, you've got FIRE that leverages CCDA. I mean, you, you've got more letters than a can of alphabet soup and we're talking about these EHR companies say, oh, well, what we need to do is we need to have another data standard. Why do they say that? Why does anybody in their right mind propose another data standard? I'm going to tell you why. How long have we been working on FIRE? FIRE is a brand new data standard that we've been working on for 10 years now. FIRE really got going right about the time of high tech. So think about 2009. It is 2019. Do you have a FIRE interface? No. You're more likely to have a fireplace than a fire interface. And the last time I checked, we've had central heating for a long, long time. So, you know, what these companies' plan is, is like, oh, yeah, there's this rule. There's this rule, and we're going to meet it when we get around this table and we adopt this new standard. What they talk about is a uh, UC or USCDI, which is supposed to be common for like payer-to-payer -payer exchanges. And so they wanna, they're going to gonna take something from the payer side and now try to cram all this clinical uh, language and understanding together. I mean, the, I have no idea what the, how the structure is going to work when you have you, you've got one standard that just deals with procedure codes and diagnoses, and now you're supposed to put in all of this, you know, care team attribution, procedures, results, notes. I mean, it, it would you're recreating fire. You're recreating the CCDA. I mean, it is it is it is such obvious duplication that. You know, I don't understand how these people can say this with a straight face. So, when you hear this talk, and you hear about the data blocking rule, and you hear all of this, oh, it's going to be so horrible. It's not. It's very simple. Companies should, uh, EHRs should have an API. It should be open. The cost of access to the API should be able to be tied back to the cost of producing the API. Give them a 15% profit over the top of it. Pay support because the API should, should, should change and enhance and grow year over year. Totally pay it, but then guess what? You're paying it one time because when you open up a hook for on your database, it doesn't matter if there's 1, 10, 15, 25 different applications coming in and utilizing it so you don't have to so you're getting rid of this point-to-point -point architecture that you had with HL7 and that's great and we should be doing that and that should be totally the road that we're going down so we're headed in the right direction and it's not going to cost these EHR companies that you know a huge amount of money and it's not going to cost these healthcare facilities a large amount of money and they're going to be able to get innovation off of it and they're going to be able to get 
better interoperability out of it. And why does any of that matter to you as a patient? You're not even in HIT. You're not even in uh, working for a healthcare company. You're not even working for an EHR company. You're going to get better health care. And that's the goal. And we should have it already. And the reason that we don't is because these EHR companies, every single one of them out there today, are making money off stunting the ability to send health care data to the providers that need it in the moment that they need it. Then they're making decisions for the care of you, your wife, your mother, your father, your children. And that's the bottom line. All right. I think that's... Uh, I think that about covers it. Folks, I appreciate it. Thanks you for staying with me. I know I didn't keep it low-key. Um, oh well, I guess I'll try again later. But uh, I, do, uh, I do appreciate you. I appreciate all your comments. Um, let me know what you think. Uh, my time is up. But as always, I thank you for yours. <laughs>